before I begin with the message today, I want to explain to you why I'm sitting down. And the reason I want to explain that to you is probably 20 of you have asked me this morning about it, and so I'm going to try to answer all the questions at once. Um, For 28 years, I stood up to preach. And then in May, I tore up my back, and I couldn't stand up, so I brought a chair up here, and I sat down for a couple of weeks before I went on sabbatical. And I have, uh, well, Jamie Allen, you know Jamie from Central Christian in uh, Mount Vernon, Illinois. We've swapped pulpits a couple times. Uh, A few months ago we did, so he was here to preach. At his church, which I've visited many times, uh, he sits down every Sunday, always has. And I asked him one time, I said, why do you sit down to preach? He said, oh, it's just more relaxing. It's more comfortable. (laughs) So when I tore up my back in May, I had to bring a chair out because I couldn't stand up. And I thought, you know, he's right. It's, it's more relaxing. And I like it. And you would think somebody my age could never learn anything new, right? Old dogs and new tricks. I'm digging this chair, I got to tell you. And so I just decided, even though my back is fine and even though I feel good, I'm just going to sit down. And... Don't do it now, but take your Bible and look up Matthew 13, 2. I said, don't do it now. <laughs> Matthew 13, 2. You're disobeying me. You're looking it up right now. Okay, I'll just tell you. It says, Jesus sat down to teach. So I'm really being Christ-like this morning. Okay, now let's get serious. I want to talk to you this morning about trust, which is something that's getting harder and harder to find these days. For example, the Pew Research Center says that only 18% of Americans trust the government to do the right thing in any situation. 18, yeah, maybe it's too big. Here's the thing, though. In the 1960s, 70% of Americans trusted the government to do the right thing. Now only 18%. But if you think that's a low number, the trust that Americans have in the media is even lower. A recent Gallup poll indicated that Americans believe that 62% of all the reporting they hear on the news, on television, television news, 62% is unfair, 44% is inaccurate, and 39%, that's 40% of everything you hear on the television news, is complete misinformation or what we now call fake news. Trust isn't exactly thriving among married people either. A couple of years ago, CNN reported on a survey that said one out of three married people had snooped on their spouses. They admit it. They've followed them or checked their emails or their text messages because of a lack of trust. I don't know about you, but I'm having a harder time trusting people these days and institutions. I get emails in my inbox and 
I look at them and I think, eh, that sounds like a scam to me. As a pastor, I meet people all the time that I sense are not really being themselves around me. Um, maybe trying to act more spiritual than they really are. Um, kind of like Mr. Shark on the screen, all dressed up in a shirt and tie and a big smile, but he still wants to eat you. <laughs> and I meet people in stores around town and they say, oh, I go to your church. I've never seen these people before in my life. And I say, oh, really? How long have you been coming? Oh, three or four years. Oh, really? When was the last time you were there? <laughs> last year or maybe Christmas time or something. And they're trying to leave an impression on me that really isn't accurate. And so when I do business with people and talk to people, I find that I don't take much at face value. I ask around if I'm doing business maybe with a new uh, business person, ask around, diligently check references, read online reviews, because I just don't trust a lot of what people say. I know you feel the same way. So we live in this generation where it's really hard to trust. The problem is, if you want to be a Christian, you have to be able to trust. Being able to trust is a big part of being a Christian. So I thought we should talk about this a little bit today. I want to start by giving you some just general facts about trust. Um, these are things that will build a foundation for what I want to say later. But here's the first thing. It's important to realize that there's no such thing as partial trust. Trust is one of those things you either have it or you don't. For example, ladies, if I say, do you trust your husband? And you say, well, yeah, except when he goes out with his buddies on Saturday night. Guess what? If that's your answer, then you don't trust your husband. There's no such thing as, I kind of trust you. You either trust or you don't trust. Or how about this? You ima imagine that you hear on the news that um, a certain brand of milk has been recalled because of contamination. And you hear on the news that 20% uh, of the jugs delivered to your grocery store have been found to be contaminated. And so you rush to the refrigerator and you check your milk jug and sure enough, it fits the parameters of the recall. Now you know that there's an 80% chance that milk is fine. There's only a 20% chance that that milk will poison you. Are you going to drink it? No, you're not. Because there's no such thing as partial trust. You either trust it or you don't. Here's the second thing about trust you need to know. It's very fragile. Trust can be broken. It can be obliterated in the amount of time it takes to say one sentence. For example, I've fallen in love with someone else. Nine syllables, it'll take you three seconds to say that syllable, or that sentence. So three seconds to blow up every fiber of trust you have in your marriage. Or how about this one? I've blown our life savings. Six syllables, now we're down to two seconds. 
but the effect is no less devastating. Trust is a wonderful thing, but it's extremely fragile. One moment, one decision, one sentence is all it takes to blow it up. Here's the third thing you need to know. It takes a long time to rebuild trust. A number of years ago, Marilyn and I had a favorite restaurant in Orlando. We loved it. We went there often. We, We really loved the food. We enjoyed it so much. But one day, we went there and ate. And about, you know, two, three, four hours later, something like that, we both began to get sick. I won't give you the graphic details, but trust me when I tell you, that I don't think either of us have ever been as sick as we were for a few hours. And it was, of course, food poisoning. Do I need to tell you that our trust in that restaurant was severely damaged? Would you like to know how long it took us to get up the courage to go back to that restaurant? I mean, we wanted to. We loved the food. We had gone there for years with no problem. But every time we talked about it, we felt squeamish. It took well over a year for us to go back to that restaurant. And even when we did, I still remember it, we walked in feeling really nervous. I'm sure some of you have had that same experience in a romantic relationship or maybe a business deal. Somebody betrays you, takes advantage of you. And boy, it takes a long time to rebuild that trust. And in some cases, it can never be rebuilt. Then the fourth thing you need to know about trust is that it is a marketable commodity. Every single day through television ads and all sorts of social media, you are being targeted. Product manufacturers, politicians, financial institutions, insurance companies, hospitals, drug companies, you can go on and on and on. They're all trying to win your trust. They spend millions of dollars Uh, producing ads that are designed to tug at your heartstrings and make you feel like you can't live without their product or their service. They're trying to get you to give them your trust. And we want to trust, don't we? And we we have trust to give, and we want to give it. Think about yourself. You want to trust your spouse. You want to believe that your spouse is going to be faithful to you. You want to trust in your doctor, when you go to the office and you're not feeling well, you want to believe that your doctor is competent and he's going to or she's going to prescribe the right treatments or medication. You want to believe in me. You don't want to go to a church where you don't trust your pastor. You want to believe that I believe what I'm preaching and try my best to live it. It's true, folks. We have trust to give, and we want to give it. We want to trust. That's why the advertising world is so competitive. All these entities know that you have trust to give, that you want to give it. And so they're competing with each other and vying for your attention and begging you, please, trust us. We won't disappoint you. But often it happens that we are disappointed. We experience some sort of betrayal or disappointment. Trust is broken. And then we start to become very cynical, sometimes very bitter. And um, I know people who have been hurt so deeply or so many times 
that they just don't trust anybody anymore. And maybe that's where you are. Well, you need to know that the Bible has a lot to say about trust. The word trust, or some form of it, appears 223 times in the Bible. And almost every one of those references is an encouragement to place your trust in God. Never in humans, never in human institutions, but in God. The Bible says, for example, if you trust in yourself, you're going to fail. The Bible says if you trust in your money, you're going to be disappointed. The Bible says if you trust in your own righteousness to save you, you're going to be lost. Again and again, over 200 times, the Bible says put your trust in God. Psalm 37.5 says commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, don't trust yourself. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you the path to take. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust Him at all times. Pour your heart out to Him, for God is our refuge. 1 Peter 4, 19 says, Keep on doing what is right, and trust your lives to the God who created you, for He will never Friends, I could go on and on and on, over 200 verses like this in the Bible, where we are told to, to put our trust not in people, not in human institutions, but in God. Now, I want to talk to you about what that does not mean. And yes, I said what it does not mean. Because sometimes I think the best way to understand something is to clear away the misunderstanding. And there are a lot of misunderstandings related to trusting God. So let me share with you two things trusting God does not mean. And if you've ever struggled with these things, I hope this will bring you some comfort. First of all, trusting God does not mean that you can't ever have a doubt or a weak moment. Now, I know some of you feel really bad and get down on yourselves because you have Moments of doubt or despair or discouragement. And you think that means you're a terrible Christian. You think that means God must be so disappointed in you. You feel like a failure because you have moments of doubt. But actually you're not a failure because you have moments of doubt. And God is not disappointed in you because you have moments of doubt. What it means when you have a moment of doubt is not that you're a miserable excuse for a Christian. What it means is that you are human. Just about every great hero in the Bible had moments of doubt and despair where their trust in God wavered. Uh, Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, Peter, you can go out on down the list. They all had moments of doubt and despair. And you want to hear something that might uh, surprise you? God doesn't even mind when you have a moment of doubt. He doesn't mind. He doesn't get mad at you. He doesn't feel disappointed in you. He doesn't mark you off the saved list. Because your trust in him wavered? You know how I know that? Because of Psalm uh, 103, verses 13 and 14. 
If you want to underline or highlight some verses in your Bible that will mean a lot to you over the years throughout the rest of your life, there's a couple you ought to underline or highlight. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, this is what it says. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. Let me tell you something that's going to lift your spirit. When you have a moment of doubt or fear or discouragement, when your trust in God wavers, you may feel terrible and you may be mad at yourself, but God is never mad at you. The reason you feel bad is because you put unreasonable expectations on yourself. You forget that you're made of dust. You forget that you're weak. But see, God never forgets that. He knows you're made of dust. He made you. He knows how weak you are, so He never places unreasonable expectations on you. When you have a weak moment, when you have a moment of doubt, He is much more likely to smile and hug you than He is to slap your wrist. He never forgets what we often forget. That we're weak. So trusting God doesn't mean you can never have a weak moment. Here's the second thing trusting God doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you practice blind faith. There is a huge difference between blind faith and trust, even though a lot of people equate the two. They think they're the same thing. They aren't. Let me give you an illustration. Blind faith is when you go to the bus station and you pick out a bus at random, like itty, meeny, miny, mo. I'm just going to pick a bus. Okay, I like that one. And you get on it and you sit down and you just have blind faith that that bus is going to take you where you want to go. Trust is when you go to the bus station and you pick up a schedule and you look at the arrivals and the departures and you find the specific bus that is supposed to be going where you want to go and you find that bus and you get on it and you sit down and you tuck your little schedule into your pocket and you trust that the schedule was telling you the truth and that bus is going to go where you need to go. See, in the first instance, you're just really kind of blindly forging ahead and kind of hoping things work out. But in the second instance, you've actually done some investigation. You have a reason to believe that if you get on that particular bus, it'll take you where you want to go. Hence, you're not depending on blind faith. You're depending on the schedule. And you're trusting what you've been told. And so God never asks you for blind faith. He never asks you to just forge ahead in your life and hope things work out. He asks you to check the schedule. To read what it says. To see which bus it tells you to get on and then to get on that bus. By the way, the schedule is the Bible. Do you realize that's what we're really trusting when we trust God? We're trusting his word. 
We're believing that what he has written down for us in the Bible is true. And it's going to work in our lives the way he says it will. That's really what we're trusting. So God never asks you for blind faith. He asks you to check the schedule and believe that what the schedule tells you is true. I heard a story one time about a farmer. This is back in the 1800s. This farmer had always wanted a barometer for his farm. And um, he finally saved up enough money, so he sent off to get one. But back in the 1800s, you know, it took weeks for something to arrive. And so finally one day, the delivery man came, and there was a box, and he opened it up, and there was his barometer. But it was broken. The needle was all the way to the right. It was a beautiful sunny day, but the needle said hurricane. And he said to his wife, can you believe it? Of all the barometers they had in the warehouse, they had to pick up the only one that was broken and ship it to me. And so he was angry, and he wrote out an angry letter to the manufacturer, and he sent the box back. Later that evening, his house was destroyed by a hurricane. Yeah. And that is so true of how people live their lives. When you read the Bible, you can do what that farmer did. You can, you can look at what it says, and then you can look around you and say, well, what it says doesn't match what I'm seeing. And you can reject it. Or you can read what it says and you can look around you and say, well, what it says doesn't match what I'm seeing, but I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to believe that what I'm reading is what's really true and not what I'm seeing. That's what trusting God is. Believing that when the needle is pointing to hurricane. Even though the sun is shining, you're going to get a hurricane. I leave you with this passage of Scripture, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. May it be true of all of us. Let's stand.